0: Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And that bark, mean and angry, hear that co-host shoutin'. it's and
1: all right, welcome to the latest edition of Here That Podcast, Growl and Pauliner Jr. and Jay Morrison of the Athletic are here with you and excited. You know, we're we're second wave. We we've spent some time, Jay, talking about oh, that's the second the third wave. You can you can find some nice stuff there this year. Here we are. We're we're in the second we're in the second and third wave now. Second and third wave season is upon us for those that get into such
2: things. And I know some fans might yawn or roll their eyes at second wave, but really, I mean, this is this is where you can make or break uh, a free agents class, or you know what what happens in the year. I mean these these are the key pieces you fill in. Everybody's grabbing the the top guys early in the week. It's it's when you can make make inroads and really help your team, especially this year where there are bargains still out, a lot of bargains still out there to be had. Low-risk,
1: high-reward season, right? Whereas the first week was (laughs) high-risk, mid-reward. I mean, when you talk about a lot of those guys, I mean, there's going to be so many busts that are going to hurt teams down the line. Uh, But this is guys that, for the most part, you can plug in. If things go well, it's great. If they don't, it doesn't kill you. Um, And there's a few positions the Bengals are targeting. We're going to talk through – where they're at with that, where I have the roster reset is up on the site now. That kind of takes a look at, you know, who's been in, who's out, and what's next um, with each of the position groups. How it affected the draft outlook from from that big first week. But it, a part of that is sort of the guys they are still tracking the positions they are still tracking. Oh, that is up on the site. Just go to the 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 link there. Um, uh, at the Athletic. Uh you can follow us on Twitter. You can see all that stuff is there. We still have the $1 per month deal going on. Cannot beat it. If you get a chance, just go to the links to any of our stories and you can subscribe. $1 a month. It's the best deal we got. You'll you'll see uh, for the site. So we're we're gonna talk through a bunch of that stuff. Uh mock draft is up. Our beat writer, mock draft, which I referenced on Friday, uh, is up. And it was really interesting, as we said there. And so we're going to talk through uh, what happened there in particular through the lens of what it really means for what can happen in April, the choices that were on the table, and the trade talk. But I also I want to do Bengals draft board. We're going to do Bengals 1 through 5, uh, kind of ranking our Bengals draft boards. We've got that, run passer boot for you, and who knows what else will pop up. Uh, other thing, I, I, I'm anticipating uh, a, a little a little wave, mini wave, of Bengals signings here this week. So I would say you can probably figure we're going to have another one coming up later this week. I think you'll really like that. Um, so keep an eye out for that uh, coming up as we sift through the way. So that maybe the emergency pods aren't totally over yet. I mean, no. We're not totally pushing the emergency
2: pod time out. I'd expect we're probably going to have another one this week. Yeah, I think that's a good prediction. But I, I, we don't know who it'll be, how many, but there there should be some moves this week.
1: Yeah, they're in the mix. You know, we've got we got visits happening. Uh, we've got conversations occurring with a, a number of different positions. Let's dive into that. Um, okay, second wave options. I mean, to to me, there's there's three positions that are still sitting out there for this team that I think we'll see uh some sort of second wave move on. I I think the receiver spot is obviously still out there. I mean we saw the the half assed interest in Kenny Galladay um that was we kind of said wasn't gonna pan out. The Bengals sort of checked out that checked out on that early as it it was clear what direction that was going to go as it got closer to the weekend. I mean, you know, he ends up up or over 18 for four years with the giants. That was never in the same universe of where the Bengals were going to go with that. Um, you know, so the receiver position is still out there that number three, but if they take somebody high in the draft, number four, really good number four, still needing that explosive deep threat. I mean, that, that's your profile. I think that you're looking at right now, and I think there's maybe a few guys you can pinpoint with that. Defensive tackle, uh, they're still looking for that second rotational piece behind Joby. They don't have that. I mean, they, they you, you want to have a deep rotation, particularly up front. They just don't have that second guy right now, and I think they want a guy who will be – you know, a real pass rusher there. Um, there's a few options in place there. They went pretty hard after Sheldon Rankins. Tom Pellicero had that uh, report. We've been talking about Sheldon Rankins on here for a long time about how he made so much sense. Very high upside rotational piece that you would love in there. He ends up signing with the Jets two years. If the, our favorite phrase of the year, up to <laughs> $17 million, which means, uh, you know, could be anything. but as good as 17, whatever that means to you now, so the details on that, I have not seen surface yet, but you know, the Bengals were interested in that understandably. So I think there's something you'll see there. And then of course, you know yet to sign a guard so the 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 offensive guard thing is still going to be in play you know they're still going to be looking for other options to put into the mix there on top of what they already have so that, to me do you, is there another position jay that you see uh, beyond those 3 that I, that you think maybe I'm I'm glossing over too much
2: the only one i think is if they could get like a really super bargain on a, another edge rusher because they are still thin there and there are still guys out there. And, um, we, you know, we talked about the wide receiver market cratering and I, I could see, you know, maybe you, you, you get a, a cheap edge guy just to kind of be a, roti- a rotational piece there because there it is. It's a deep draft class, but you, you're limited in your draft picks. And, um, you know, maybe if, if things don't work out well at some of these three spots you missed, then that, that can be a, a plan D, so to speak.
1: Yeah. I've never been more sure that on day 2 they will take any one position than I am that they will take an edge rusher on day yeah. 2. It just it feel it fits so it fits perfect with their need, it fits perfect with their history, it fits perfect with the profile of the team right now. And it fits perfect with this draft class that is deep there. And, you know, at that, whether you're talking in the second or the top of the third round, you can get a a quality edge rusher that you like. And they can go down the same path they've gone down with Carl Lawson, with Sam Hubbard, with Michael Johnson, with Carlos Dunlap over and over and over again. And it just seems like everything comes together for that to be your third edge guy after Hendrickson and Hubbard on this team next year. Um, so I'm plugging that in there. That doesn't mean that they wouldn't still be interested in somebody, You're like you said, that you could get at a bargain deal. But right. that's kind of why, for me, while I'm talking more about the interior defensive line, because if you're looking at those two, you're holding those two up in your hands and weighing them. Well, which one are you going to have a better chance filling in the draft? edge in a big way uh this is not a good draft for interior defensive line if you think there's somebody that is on the free agent market you can get as a stopgap until maybe a better interior defensive line come class comes out next year uh you're probably looking at that well those three positions if you had to rank them in importance let's let's say you were you were only allowed one uh which of those three would you go for
2: of D-tackle, guard, and wide receiver? Wide receiver. That's a good question. Um, I mean, they have other D-tackles, but they don't have – I mean, they're, it's Tupo, it's Wren, it's guys that are going to back up DJ Reader as a plugger. They, they need another three technique. I mean, it's great they got Ogunjobi, but what if something happens there? Um, but again, how – <laughs> I don't know. I, all of them are, it's, this is a really good question, Paul. Um, I don't know. I, I think knowing what the league is, knowing what this offense is, I think that third wide receiver might be the, the most important. I think there's, there's enough options at guard on this roster that wouldn't be significant downgrades over anybody that they would sign at this point in free agency anyhow. And, and I think just D tackle being what it is, you, you can, you can mask a, a deficiency there more than they, they need that deep threat. That's been the hole in Joe Burrows game. Um, they, they need to get a guy that can stretch the field, be a compliment to T Higgins and Tyler Boyd. I, I, I would say that I would go wide receivers as the most important of the, the three positions you mentioned this week
1: run passer boot this right yeah. so i mean you know that's just, i mean i think for, for me though here's the thing about the offense like the guys out there are just not much different than the guys you already have and we're under the assumption that a, one of your first two draft picks is going to check off an offensive line box that's probably going to come in and be a starting guard immediately so in with that respect i, I would run with the the defensive tackle. They need some interior pass rush, and and that having a rotational piece there. Receiver, we've seen this league; it's everywhere. You can draft guys. T. Higgins, second round, third. You know who who knows where you end up with receiver. I mean, you can you can find receivers um, more so uh, than you can find interior pass rushers. And and if you have a bunch of offensive linemen out there that are kind of the same. Um, as your Xavier Suafilo, any draft pick you'd bring in, Michael Jordan. I mean, you know, hoping for him to get better under Frank Pollock. I think you end up a lot of the same mix. Let's talk about some of those names. Um, you know, I'll I'll start with the defense. There's two names, and this fits. First of all, I think we're going to see this happen. You, you, this may already be happening as you're listening to this. It may have already happened. I, I you know, I think you're going to see things popping off here. This week fairly quickly, but I, you know, Jarrell Casey, Gerald McCoy, are guys with a history who have been good. They're on their last legs, but there's still hope that in a certainly in a rotational role that you still have enough left in the tank that they can give you some juice. Um, and you know, Casey was kind of got hurt early and never got a chance to really do his thing uh, for Denver uh, and we you know the health the, the health aspect the medical on him is the interesting part because we don't know exactly how he is after that injury last year um, but Casey and then you know McCoy also an injury situation two medical issues where you wonder about but guys that have the ability to come in on a one-year deal or and, and be productive uh, particularly when they're not counted on to go 800 snaps or whatever
2: you know the biggest thing about those two guys is that if you go look at their stats just the remarkable consistency you know what you're getting now. yeah okay injuries are a a little bit of a wild card and maybe you don't know what you're getting there but if if you check these guys out if if they're they pass their physicals i mean every year they're they're 14 15 16 games started their sacks don't very wildly they don't have these great huge years and then these years where they're they're kind of lost and not getting any everything is really consistent with those guys and i think that's what you're looking for there the mccoy's 33 so there is a little bit of i mean we see what happens to those guys no no, no. yeah
1: oh. no 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 i mean yeah no i'm saying that's the concern yeah right? yeah uh yeah as i shake my head a little yeah. bit i mean that's that's kind of the concern as you start getting into the age of these guys and you're like well what is isn't he? Is he just Geno Atkins? Yeah, in theory, uh, cheaper. Yeah,
2: yeah. And and we saw Geno have that slide as he as he goes yeah. over. and that's not happened with Gerald McCoy or with Gerald Casey. Casey's thirty one, a um, little bit younger. He last year he did. He only had the handful of games, so that was the the one blip. That's never happened with Gerald McCoy. He's been a consistent rock his entire career. So yeah, I mean that's that's what we're talking about. Where there's gonna be it's low risk salary wise, but those guys, there would be a little bit of risk age-wise. Um, but yeah, I think either one of those guys, we've we've been on Kate, we've talked about Casey for a while on, on this podcast about him being one of these these kind of second wave fits. And um I, I think they the Bengals would be happy to get either one of those guys.
1: Uh yeah, I think so. And you know, this is the time of year where this is the type of week where where your your personnel guys make their money. And they find what they, you know, what they think is an inefficiency in way, way a player is viewed, or maybe they were misused, or something about a guy. This is the time where they can dive in and hope you hope find you something um, that the rest of the league is missing a little bit. And and so you get your pet projects in, you know, the guy, the personnel guy who's been on number 32 defensive tackle, the entire draft thinking that, you know, the entire uh, phrase, you think, man, everyone's missing on this guy. I hope we get a chance. You get a chance to sneak your pick in and, and get your guy and see if you can get in and get the most out of him. So it could be anywhere. It could be anybody. Um, as, as they kick the tires on, on all those guys. But to me, those are the ones that stand out for their current situation that can help you in 2021. And you can try to reevaluate where you're at next year. And, and maybe you, maybe you're getting some, uh, some developing draft picks in the house or whatever.
2: Yeah. in mitigating the, the age issue is that you're not asking this guy to come in and start 16 games for you and be a, be the guy. I mean, he's going to be your backup to Ogunjobi. And and maybe it's one of those less is more situations where you you reduce an older guy's snap count and and the production stays the same just based on freshness. So um, a lot of different ways to look at that. All right, let's take
1: a second
0: and switch gears here and hear from a sponsor. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone?
1: let's touch on the receiver side of this um i don't know you is there a name, is there a name that sticks out to you i have one i have one name that has kind of reached my radar that i really like for the profile what they're looking for i don't know if you have one i i i really am kind of drawn towards demarcus robinson as far as a fit for what they need what they're looking for, because to me, I mean, if we're talking about that third receiver, that fourth receiver, you're probably going to be drafting somebody at some point that you anticipate being, being, you know, your, your third guy. So you're talking about potentially your fourth guy. Um, Here's it. So people will say, well, T.Y. Hilton's out there, right? T.Y. Hilton is great. He is not going to be happy if you draft Jamar Chase. No. And now he's T.Y. Hilton is suddenly your number four. By the way, he's also going to be asking for more money than you would pay to a fourth receiver. So you, you've got to be thinking about that, too. Like you you need somebody who's going to be comfortable as the third or fourth and not uncomfortable as the fourth or view themselves as better than that or be better than that in some ways. Because they're not going to be interested in coming here Um So that's why Demarcus Robinson has hit my radar. A speed guy, a deep guy who is utilized in that respect with Patrick Mahomes. Hard not to in that offense, but, you know, he has made plays, has had big, you know, quality seasons. Um, He's young, still fast, all of that stuff where you can like him as your deep threat and you love him as your number four deep threat. And he can definitely play as your your third guy if you have a young kid that you're grooming for the first beginning part of the season. I he he kind of fits to me what they're looking for, and I don't you know, and he's not going to be a guy to me that's going to be asking for a lot of money. Um, as guys start to get plucked off the board in the receiver market, uh, I think that's an interesting one hanging out there.
2: Yeah, I think these these guys at this point know what the market is. I you said that name, and I, I love it initially. It's because it is. You take a guy from an offense like that who's never really had a chance to he, – he's not going to be a one or a two here. Obviously, you said he's going to be a three or a four, but it, his opportunities were limited because of so so much great talent they had around him. And with him being a little younger, you almost wonder if if even though he knows what the market is, he's got in his mind that he, he thinks he can go be a, a one or two somewhere, and, and he's looking for that kind of opportunity. Uh, a guy I like is Kenny Stills. Um who is he's played behind he's a, he's a little bit older so he's a little more comfortable with this this third banana role so to speak uh played behind DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller um he's a guy that I, I think could be a bargain um could be a field stretcher he, i think he averages around 14 yards per catch for most of his career um i guess if you're looking for a deep threat maybe it's it is better to go younger with a DeMarcus Robinson than a guy like Kenny Stills but um i There's two schools of thought there. I guess you could go either way. I I do. I I, if I'm leaning towards it, it, Demarcus Robinson wasn't even really on my radar until radar until you said him. But I I do like that idea of bringing a guy who not only is younger, but we saw this last year in the in the um, free agent class. They targeting guys that have experience winning, playing big in big games, and and he certainly would fit that role.
1: Sammy Watkins has come up too, it, who, as he kind of hangs out there and, and he's making a rounds of some visits. I just, I just think the age factor too. I mean, he he still can have some big games. I mean, he's not old. I mean, he's he's, still, he's actually young. He's just been around a while. Uh, he's I mean, he's going to be twenty eight this season. Um, but you know, you, obviously, I think it's something you like. But it, he falls in the Ty category a bit for me, um, where you are saying, okay, well, what's you know, is there going to be an issue here when you draft somebody uh, who's who's going to come in and take and take over that spot immediately? If you were to take a, a chase or or a waddle or whoever, um, you know that. But that so be it. But still, to, to me, that's what kind of why I like Robinson uh, a little bit more. But I, you know, these are all kind of the names I think that are on the table that they're going to be going through. I, I think Watkins is going to have options, and I think you're you're going to see now is the interesting part of the receiver second wave market is these guys, there's a patience to everybody now, right? Like the rush for people to throw, throw the money out there is now going to be replaced by the wait, And these guys can, there's no advantage to going now. Like you can take your time and wait for offers to come up a little bit for you as teams get a little bit more desperate knowing that they you're the only guy left or whatever that is. So, You know how long will this play out? Well, I think Sammy Watkins and T.Y. Hilton will have markets and can kind of wait it out and let that battle happen. So, um, we'll we'll see where the next wave of guys land in receiver and what those contracts
2: look like. How low will they go? I don't know. Sammy Watkins is an interesting. Uh, name be, just because he has that relationship with Zach Taylor. I can't remember how that line. He had one year in L.A. And I can't remember if, one year, 2017. Was that with, with Zach? in the receiver room. Zach yep. was the wide receiver coach. So you're not the quarterback there, yes. so he he obviously knows him as well as anybody. Um, so that that would be an interesting fit as well.
1: Yeah, but I mean, and I may that I have you know heard anything right. about. Um, I have not heard that connection um, coming up. Uh, anywhere, so but it could be some super double secret probation thing that they 're trying to do <laughs> under the radar. who knows um, l- l- let 's go to the offensive line and and let 's talk about some of these guys. so the one that everyone 's talking about right now is trey Turner uh, oh my goodness, Jay, have the Bengals contacted him <laughs> or have they not contacted him? Has there been contact? Who cares? Look, they're they're kicking the tires on Trey Turner. Here's a couple things I know about Trey Turner, and that I think need to come into consideration. The you're you're going to do your due diligence on a guy who has a, a part of his his resume being what it is, um, and he's still young enough. Um, he's been a starter. Obviously, you're looking into that. But here's what I do know: Carolina traded him away and was like, and at a time when you would think they wouldn't be doing that. I'm just like nah, kind of done with this guy. He goes to L.A. and is awful last year. I mean, awful in every way, shape, and form. I, you know, I'm not one to like throw PFF grades out here as a be-all end all, but when you're in the 30s, <laughs> that is significantly worse than anything the Bengals fielded last year. That's Trey Turner, and the Chargers are looking to fix their offensive line in any way possible for Justin Herbert. And they aren't touching Trey Turner. Trey Turner is still out there by the way, without much interest, it appears. So you tell me what all that means about what here's to me. It just says this. to me, he's unpredictable. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what's going on there other than teams are bailing on him and others across the league aren't interested in him. And he played really bad last year. It just seems super risky and, and a personality that you don't know. We only know that it's been an issue places, at least to the point that teams have bailed on them when everybody in the league wants good offensive linemen. And so what is that? But, you know, what what what, you, what else can you make of it other than that? Are, are the Bengals looking into him? Yeah, you have to. They They haven't signed a guard yet. Um, But, you know, to me, I just think that shows how
2: risky of a play Trey Turner would be at this point. Yeah, there's there's spots you can take a risk. Offensive line's not one of them. Not for this team. Not for the situation they're in right now. And you do wonder, because we talk about it all the time, how a change of scenery can be great for a guy. Well, it can go the other way. And, and maybe that played into how bad he was. Maybe he was really unhappy with that trade. And I you got to suck it up. You're a pro, but it, it, they are human. And, and maybe if you're not happy in that situation, it, it can affect you on the field. Um, But yeah, I think the, the biggest thing at play here is that, that no one has, has signed him yet. And we don't know how many guys are, how many teams are calling him and contacting, contacting him. But it it is interesting. Just the fact that, he, he's a seven-year veteran a starter and he's still he'll be 28 when the season starts but he's still 27 right now so he's he's still young with a lot of experience but the the wild card factor I I almost feel like you know if if you're gonna go get a guy just go get Quentin Spain again and you know what he is he, he's more consistent you you've spent most of a year with him you know who he is he's still out there on the market too um there I Maybe Turner has a little bit more of an upside, but again, this is not the position that you want to, you want to gamble with. You got to, the, the sure bet is what you're looking for here on the offensive line.
1: What are, what are the words that we've been using that the Bengals desperately have needed to start using in regards to the offensive line consistency mm-hmm. and reliability. That's what, that's what Riley reef is. That's what they desperately need. Everywhere is some consistency and some reliability because it's just been inconsistent and unreliable for years now, and I, I don't think trainer, I don't think Turner gives you that. I do think a guy like Spain gives you a little bit more of that. Like you said, Jay, for exact exact reason, you know what you're getting here. And he had certainly some good games. Was a work hard guy, um, and, and can be solid for you. Know you know he can he can play. And, oh, by the way, maybe give him some time in the system but outside of a day, right, until he was just thrown in there and then throw him in to play a position he wasn't used to play. I mean, you, you love the the gamer in it. Come on, him. Paul. It was two I, days. He
2: came in on a Friday and played Sunday.
1: Yeah, that's true. That's true. He, he did have a walkthrough in Jim Turner's office. Uh, so Nick Easton. Is another guy who they uh, have from the Saints, who was part of their cap cuts. Who who you know, kind of talking to some some people about him. That seems to be a a good vibe about what he can be. Better than I anticipated. Um, Can be a certainly can be a solid starter in this league. I think he's to me he's he's got some suafilo to him in that. You know he is a great number six. First guy off the bench, and you're probably okay with him as your if he as long as he's not as long as he's your worst offensive lineman starter, you're probably okay. Fits into the no donkeys mold. Most you know these that's what we're talking about here. We're talk you're you're talking about fallbacks on no donkeys. So Easton from the Saints kind of falls into that too, where he can come in, he can give you some consistency, some reliability. Um, You know, he's kind of been the same guy. His whole when he's played for the Saints at least if you go by his PFF grades. Um, so maybe maybe you're getting that there. Uh, but again, that's another guy you don't know. I mean, you don't know him personally, so maybe there's some... You know, they do seem to be finding themselves in, around the Saints a lot. <laughs> um, I, I It does seem that they have some connections where they feel like they know people down there, um, at least some of the players that have come out of there, personality-wise, um, whatever that is. Um, but... So maybe, maybe they have some inside info on Easton that they wouldn't have on others, but uh, I, there, there's some unknowns there too. But his play has kind of been the same. He's kind of been the same guy the majority of his career.
2: Which is what you're looking for. And if, personally, uh, I say sign him. I, I, I think for us as reporters, offensive linemen are some of the most interesting people to talk to uh, on the team. And if you've got an offensive lineman who went to Harvard – uh yeah 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 get that guy I'll have a lot of fun talking to him no. <laughs> we'll take the Harvard offensive lineman scribes scribes have spoken
1: all right we need that uh yeah so a, a few of the interesting names to be keeping an eye on that point so at that point then if you do that you know your worst case scenario is you have a suafilo or a Spain Easton but more than likely you have a pick in there and those other guys go into the mix and who knows maybe they even would would cut Suafilo and and take that money back because I mean it was about a three million dollars yeah. they would save uh, if they let Suafilo go, um, but you know who knows I mean they they really didn't get to see the real Xavier Suafilo last year I mean he had the injury was out the vast majority of the year and he kind of came in and he was up and down you know, a little bit so how how much are they confident in him I don't know I mean I, it's hard to say that they felt good about anybody on that line last year but I think there was some thought that he could calm them down Um, at the very least you know you cannot count on Michael Jordan at this point to be anything maybe he will get better maybe a new offensive line coach will fix Michael Jordan but what we've seen through two years there's no way you're counting on him to even be your first backup you're you need to see that in camp Michael Jordan is fighting to stay On the roster. Forget starting spot. Forget, oh, definitely your first backup. So if you had two guys or three guys fighting for that position, that's good because if Jordan is a high upside and figures it out and Pollock gets it out of him, awesome. Right? He ascends and your other guys move back. But you better not be counting on that. You better have two other guys to be your number five and your number six already in house uh ready to plug in. So that's why I think you'll, you know, I, I do think you'll consider continue to see them sign at, at certainly at least one more guy that can play guard. You, you you need that and and the guys that we went through are some of the big names out there. And maybe they get creative or see something elsewhere again, like we talked about, the the personnel guys start making their money this week and, and trying to find something
2: somewhere. Yeah, I, I think Michael Jordan would be one of the more interesting guys to watch in camp, assuming he's still here, which you would think he would make it through camp, but it, he wasn't just Jim Turner's guy. Yes, Jim Turner threw a support behind him at every turn, but, but so did Zach and Brian. Like they, they believe in this guy. They see what he is and it's on him for the light to go on. Um, it's, it, it hasn't yet. I don't, you, you can't call him a bust yet. I think there is legitimate hope out there that he can, he can develop into what he needs to be. Um, but that's, he hasn't shown it yet. And uh, he, he still – he came here very young. We, we talked about his physical immaturity when he first got here, but there's there's some mental aspect to that as well. And, and you're right, maybe the new line coach, um, the, the, I, I, the the fact that he was the one that gave up the sack that ended Burrow's season, you don't know how much that's weighing on him. If he can get all this straightened out, maybe make the physical tools finally show themselves – uh, again, I, I think he's going to be one of the more interesting guys to watch in camp if, if he can make some headway that it, as a player there on the line.
1: Totally agree. Fascinating figure on this team. Mm-hmm. I, I just I find him. I find him, you know for someone who is, you know, if if you are int- intrigued by the mental aspect of playing the game of football and how hard that is, and eh, I, I find him fascinating. When you consider everything he's been through to this point, and and but a lot of the way that people have supported him and, and the physical presence he can be out there, um, you know, uh, uh, there's just a lot there to unpack, and I'm really curious to see how his story uh, unfolds. Uh, all right, so that's that's kind of a big look at where they're at. You know, that you, of course, could see some. Some other positions pop in there if if they feel like a nice deal arises. You know, the, that third tight end is still out there. Uh, who knows? Maybe we get the boys back together down the road. Yeah. <laughs> if if Tyler Eifert's hanging out there in August uh, or July um, you know, maybe, maybe you see him, him come back to play with his friends one last time, but they still kind of have that opening at tight end um, where they could put in somebody if they don't draft somebody, maybe they'll be waiting for the draft to make decisions on that. But um, I, I don't see them make any moves there right now, but most of the positions I think you'll see that they probably have fairly solid, maybe a fourth safety if you're into such things, but I don't, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't think we'll see that. Uh, All right, so again, we'll keep an eye on all of that. Uh, The roster reset uh, is up for you to kind of get a better view of of how the roster is looking and how free agency affected not only the draft but some of these approaches that they're taking in free agency. You can go click on the link there uh, and subscribe. $1 a month right now um, deal going on, so highly recommend doing that. All right, let's just take a quick break. Also up is the beat writer mock draft. So let's talk a little bit about draft. We're, I mean, we're into very excited. Our our big uh, laying out the draft season meeting is going to be tomorrow, Jay. Yeah, very excited. We're gonna we, we we've got all the ideas sort of in motion, but we're gonna lay out the template for everything. And so next week we're gonna talk even more about some of the stuff. Through, through what we're com- what we've got coming for you, which I'm very excited about uh, a few of the things that we're doing. Of course, we'll be again, we'll be doing our, our positional series, which um, everybody uh, I is my favorite thing I do pretty much all year and we've had a good time doing it uh, the last few years and people have responded to really liking it, so excited to do that and much more. But here's the thing. this mock draft went a little differently than I anticipated. We talked about it on Friday and it's i think it it always gives me the best insight cuz these are you know you know you if you listen to this podcast you know how much jay and i dive into and understand the ins and outs and needs and and approach of the team well every team uh in the league has somebody like that there and so when you get us all together and get us all trying to execute that vision i think you get our truly accurate view as opposed to nothing against these people who are very good at what they do, the national mock draft people, but you don't get a real understanding of every team and their needs and their outlook with that. I mean, it's just impossible to ask any person to do that. And I really know that this you do. And you ended up with a lot of trade offers out there of teams trying to come up and four quarterbacks off the board, right off the top. And the Bengals are sitting there taking whatever position player they wanted. I, you know those trade offers are really going to be interesting. Panthers, Broncos, Patriots—that's eight, nine, and fifteen—all really interesting to see who wants to try to come up, who has that hankering for Fields or for
2: Lance. I think it'd be really interesting if, if we could give a, the Bengals some truth serum and not ask who they're going to pick. That I'm not that, but ask them which scenario would they prefer, because you were you were in. A possibility of you had you were you had a chance to do this until it played out the other way but would they prefer four quarterbacks go first four picks and they get their pick of everybody else or would they prefer two quarterbacks go and maybe sewell and chase or both are gone and their phone's ringing off the hook and they've got a chance to move back a handful to 10 spots and and really add some draft capital what what would their preference be i asked zach that um and he kind of He said they'll be prepared for either, or maybe it was Duke that I asked that question to, but they'll be prepared for either. But if you, if they were honest, I I would really be curious to hear which, which would be their ideal situation.
1: Yeah. You know, it's, it's hard to say. I think that, I I think they would like, I think they would like the trade back. You know, I, I, the idea of having two second round picks, I think is super appealing In that range, they've had so much success there Mm. in that spot in the draft. Um, In recent years, in particular, you know, you start ticking through all those names that they've gotten in the second round. It's been really a nice, they've had a nice honey hole, if you will. Uh, But, you know, you get to, you know, who knows how sure of a thing you feel like you have if you're back five to 10 spots and talking about offensive linemen there. I, yeah, it's it's really interesting to me you know and we can run past or boot this to me there's three there's three options three real options on the table at five and this draft kind of shows it and i i do go back and forth yeah i i think you're looking at jamar chase panay Sewell, or trade back. and i know the pits pits people are up in arms and they're i i look it's not me saying it's right or wrong i just don't see it happening here Okay, Um, it's it's not something that I anticipate, but, you know, it's draft season. You never know. Surprises happen all the time. I I just don't see it. But, um, you know, it's it's really tough to say which is the most appealing. If you run if you were going to run past or boot, those how would you do it?
2: I would probably. I, I. You talking about how what I would pick or what I think the Bengals would pick. Let's let's do what let's do what you think what you would do. I would go. First. I would go chase. A lot of this comes down to what how they feel about Slater. If they think they can get him moving back, but I, I would go chase. I just I I think that that connection is is too attractive. He's you never want to say a can't miss guy, but it, it just it would be it would really make this offense. It's what you're lacking, and it doesn't matter what what the we talked about. Demarcus Robinson and Kenny Steele's those other possibilities. Doesn't matter what they do this week, who they sign, if anybody, I, I still think Chase would be the run in the run passer boot. And then then Sewell and then trade back. Now if if Chase and Sewell are off the board, then yeah, the trade back becomes the run.
1: Yeah, I I'm with you. I I as much as I despise the idea of taking a receiver at the top. You know, I think the possibility of what your offense feels like with him and the depth of the offensive line class. Um, I, I, you know, and I, I say this as the guy who just took soul <laughs> <laughs> in the draft, uh, but in the mock draft. But I, I you know, I think you, you can you can really make a good argument either way. But I just think if if you want if you're looking for that that insane wide receiver core and you like the depth of the draft and you do have riley reef um, here for you know right now and we see how he does and going into the future you know you can you can definitely get what you need on the inside in the second round um, the tradeback is the, really the appealing where it's your, you're hitting real quantity there i mean where you're you can go you can get the guard the receiver and the edge all in the top 40 potentially there you know up in that up in that top 40 45 range that is a highly appealing concept of of being able to check all of those off if you if you're not super sold on anybody at the top of the draft so um, but yeah so I guess I would be running with Chase uh, and I would I you know I'd, maybe I'd run with <laughs> I would run with Chase and pass trade I, and then I would boot the one that I just picked <laughs> in the mock draft so you make any sense of this it changes every you, minute it does it does I just I, there's a, the point being, I think really what you end up with the point of the conversation is the Bengals are in a great spot. Mm-hmm. I, I think they're in I think this is a really nice spot for them with all the love for quarterbacks and the teams that are out there that are still really desperate to come up and get one, the possibility to do something that all has a lot of big time positives to it is going to happen. I, it's hard to see a scenario where they feel left out.
2: And that's important. Yeah. And, I mean, you mentioned it, the the Pitts thing. I just – I know everybody's on board – not everybody, but a lot of people really like that. But that I, I've said it over and over. That's just – thats a luxury they can't afford. You know, if you're, if you're struggling between car payment and house payment, you don't go to Ruby's for steak. It's just – that's kind of what Pitts would be at this point. I, I think he's going to be a terrific player. But this team has too many other identifiable needs that have to be fixed right away. And they they can get by without a tight with, without a elite tight end for another year. Um, so it it's those three choices: it's Chase Sewell trade back, and again the trade back all depends. I think a lot on on what they how they feel about the other tackles they could potentially get in that in that eight to fifteen range. I can't remember now. On your was How's offer to you a second next year or a first next year as it part was. of all this.
1: It was the second-round pick this year and a first next year. First next year. Uh, and, and, and then giving up the know, fourth. And we gave up a fourth. Yeah. yeah, so so you end up essentially with a two-round pick swap up and up to number 45 and then a first-round pick next year, uh, which is a great offer. <laughs> yeah, in addition to, like you, know, you it, said,
2: addressing all three of those positions in the top 40 or 45, you get an right, extra first at that round.
1: Because then, you know, what are you doing? You're, then you're taking, let's just say, Elijah Vera Tucker – who is, who is your starting guard day one, potentially a tackle of the future, mm-hmm. depending on how he plays, at 15, and then you're taking, let's just say he's been around today, Rondale Moore, right, from Purdue. Let's say you're taking him uh, at 40, and then you're taking uh, an edge rusher at 45, and you have a first-round pick next year. You know, whoever goes at 45 is one of those – there's so many edge guys there to choose from you know so you end up with the, all three of those and a first round pick next year and man you feel great right but then you're like well is Moore ready to come in immediately sort of like you were with Higgins last year but then all of a sudden Moore comes in and he ran a four-two-nine. he's making plays and even though he's he's short you know you're like oh I love it there's just a lot of that we just see so many receivers come from off the map that you feel good about that too. Again, so many options, but the, the trade option gives you a chance to to check off an extra box immediately and add some capital into the future. Also an important part of this.
2: And this team has not been afraid to make draft day trades the last few years. No, particularly. Usually coming back. up, but. And they probably feel like
1: they could move bet they could even get into the top of that they could be in that second round and move back, you know, the 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 patented Bengals <laughs> draft day move, the second round trade back to add a four. You could recoup something there or add a fourth. Uh, if you had two second-round picks that you felt like you could move back on one of them, a nice luxury to have there as well, and then your stacking picks. Now you're stacking picks where you've really had trouble doing that in recent years because they haven't had comp picks, they haven't been able to acquire more, so they've been kind of stuck in this. You know, They love their they love their quantity and haven't really had it, so maybe that's how uh, they could add that way. Um, all right, so that's kind of where we're at with draft stuff. Again, I would anticipate – Pretty good chance we're going to have another pod later this week and we'll be breaking down uh, any potential second wave moves that pop off uh, as this week goes on. And then uh, we'll be full into hardcore draft mode uh, once we hit next week and sprinting to the draft in April. Uh, So I hope everybody's ready for that. All right, Jay, we covered anything else we should get to. Nothing. Congratulations to our Bobcats. Yeah, good run. Good season. It was fun. Saturday night was
2: fun. Uh enjoyed it. You know, Court Street enjoyed it. My son was there. He he had no intention to going to Court Street until all the social media pictures started to come out and I think everybody was like, "Oh yeah, we need to get up to Court Street." So <laughs> And he actually he came home to Hamilton yesterday to get his new driver's license. He turns 21 in a couple of weeks and he really wants that new license so he can go into the bars with it. Um uh, yeah, so you need that. came home first thing in the morning, got his license. We had a quick lunch from Arby's and then he drove back to Athens. <laughs> <laughs> he was back in time for tip-off.
1: Oh man, get your Arby's and get on the road. That can be a dangerous combo uh all right uh so th- good for thanks everybody for listening we will be back uh probably later this week and definitely we'll be back next tuesday as we head full on into our our draft season stuff a lot of fun stuff planned for you you're really gonna like so all right thanks everybody for listening we will talk to you next time here hear podcast brown